This vampire bat, this inhuman beast, she ought to be locked up but never and never released. released. Good song. You're gonna have to sync that up. I hope you I know that. that's going to be hell. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. Welcome All to Direct right. Video, a podcast where we pair movies like fine wine. VHS. 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 Today we watched 101 Dalmatians and 101 Dalmatians 2. Roman numeral 2. Roman numeral 2. Uh, what was it? Patches London Adventure? Patches London Adventure. Okay. Alright, this is... I feel like... like I don't know what to where to start with this. Like, 101 Dalmatians is like a... Like, like the classic Disney movie that I think a lot of kids remember. Yeah, the thing about 101 Dalmatians is when you're talking about animation, it's like it feels like the go-to Disney movie. It's like it's like it's such a beautiful looking film. It came out in like this era of dog movies that Disney was doing. You know, you had like Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. um third dog movie. Well, I should say, sorry, I said dog movie. I meant to say animal movies. Right, because um, for a long time they weren't doing princess movies. Yeah, um, this I think, and I think when people say, like, Disney's known for doing, like, talking animal movies, like, this era is what they mean, mm-hmm. and when people say Disney's well known for doing Disney, like, or for doing princess movies, they usually refer to, like, the first era of Disney or the, like, 90s era I was gonna Disney. say the 90s era when they started cranking them out like crazy. Yeah, like that's when uh, when they started franchising the 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 princess factory. Put them all together on plates. Fire up the princess factory. It's just a, it's just a, now that phrase is just in the middle, just sitting out there in a sea of nothingness. Fire yeah. up the princess factory. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I just and I don't know how it makes me feel. Like on, on the one hand, yeah, no, that's about right. But on the other hand, am I? Am I the bad guy? Am it's I usually fair to say, if we're Am pointing I... fingers, that Disney is the bad guy. Disney, no, Disney's definitely the bad guy. Um, all right, let's let's see here. So, one of my favorite Disney animators worked on this movie, Milt Call. Okay. Um, he uh, might have been. So, is he that 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 guy that I saw ranting a few years ago about how? How Walt Disney was kind of a piece of shit. I think so. Okay, that I'll sounds like him. Like him. Too. <laughs> that sounds like him. He's of the animators at Disney. He's like one of the louder ones. I think he's been kind of compared to Jack Kirby mm-hmm. in the way that, like, you know, all these characters created by Jack Kirby and Stanley says he created them, type of thing. I'm not a Disney scholar. I don't know how much of that is or isn't true. There's a bunch of, you know, probably he said, he said there. So, I don't know if it's worth getting into, but he does seem like an interesting person. There, There is an amazing interview that Jack Kirby did where he he says something along, like, where, where the interviewer says, like, oh, uh, Stan Lee, like, credits himself as being the writer of the stories and and co-creator of all these characters how do you feel about that and he just laughs (laughs) for like a really long time apparently and he looks over at his wife and he's like how many how many stories or how many characters has stan lee created since i left 
zero right i think it's been zero <laughs> i'm just saying and i was just like geez man like that it like there's just so much savage there, yeah there, there's a lot of beef in the especially in like the comics and animation industries because they're so like gated and closed off mm-hmm. where you have these big names like stan lee and walt disney who well hell that's poor. why that's why pixar exists Right. Yeah, exactly. Because of all that crazy beef in the animation industry, a bunch of animators were like, you know what, fuck this. And they got bought by Disney later, so. So so the creation of this movie was spurred by the fact that Disney Animation Studios was in debt after Sleeping Beauty. Okay, that makes sense. Which, yeah, which makes sense because that movie was crazy. Um, and also, you told me this, not a big moneymaker. That's crazy to me. Yeah, that's the thing. Is a Sleeping Beauty was crazy expensive and not a big hit. Um, this is this movie kind of pioneered like xeroxing technology and uh, other like newer forms of animation techniques mm-hmm. that like basically shortcuts. allowed. Yeah, it, it well no it what what it, what it was is it allowed for the animators to draw directly onto these an- the animation plates, I believe, and then to be oh. immediately painted over in the same process because you could just scan and print the frames very quickly. Oh, sure. That's interesting. Um, and it it gave it gave this the movie like a, a rough drawn style that Walt Disney really enjoyed. He really liked the look. And the animators liked it too because you could see the the kind of the pencil strokes. I was gonna see in a couple in a couple scenes there are definitely y- y- you can even see like almost an after image of pencil stroke. Like somebody yeah. decided to leave that in there. I feel like again, I feel like this is the the movie for that. Where you kind of yeah. get to, you could kind of just watch it for the animation. It's it's such a it's like a beautiful movie, and like the story, while kind of non, it's like not a great story. Yeah, it's, but it's it's, it's cute. Okay it's story. fun. It's not a bad story. It's it's and it's got some really tense moments, and it's like it's a fantastic kids movie. Like fuck, I'll like s- I'll say this about the story: I like the characters. Oh yeah, like every the fact that nothing very interesting happens to these characters is okay because the characters are interesting. Like every with the exception of the 90s of the 98 puppies, 99 puppies. <sighs> yeah, and that's something we're going to get into. Yeah, with the exception of the Probably 99 the puppies, which one. are kind of this existing mass of creatures. It's hard. Like, to, or, it's hard to give them all a personality, isn't it? Yeah, one or two have one. You know, they're they've got like stereotypical personalities. Um, mm-hmm. But like every other individual character, Pongo, Perdita, Roger, the Colonel, the Cook, like they all have such personality, and it's fantastic. I really like Roger because it's so clear to me, as clear as it was to Pongo, that he definitely needed somebody. <laughs> to like look after him because the the scan of the the camera as it kind of went over his house uh is really good it sets a good tone well and he's kind of got these like odd tendencies like he doesn't like cruella and it's not clear to me because he he 
he talks about her as Anita's friend from college, so that tells me that maybe he hasn't met her directly. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's just heard stories. So, But he already hates this woman. And yeah. so what he does is he goes and hides and plays really loud music to the tune of the <laughs> song he just wrote about how she's terrible. Yeah, no, that's that's such a good bit. Like, by the way, like honestly, uh, this uh, yeah, the Corel Deville song is like in, in classic Disney. It's maybe my fa- my favorite song. It's so good. It's, it's so like, everybody catchy, knows it, and and the insults in it <laughs> are are really good. Like at first, you think Corel is a devil. But after I was worn away the shock, you come to realize the scene those kind of eyes watching you from underneath the rock. Watching you from underneath the rock. Exactly. This I is, love this his is, delivery. Yes. But it's the... like, oh, so first thing she's this big deal, but she's just, she's just like this nasty thing that lives underground. Yeah, like this, this uh, characterization of her, like you even, and I love how even after all of this singing when she shows up she's like the the animators made her even more like disgusting she's spooky she's a scary and looking woman she's like she bony and never released and and my favorite thing is how they animated the smoke from her cigarette it's like this sickly green mm-hmm. and everywhere she goes and touches it like floats around reminding you that she's been there so we're going to get into this movie, or do you have more about its, like, background? Because I'm sure there's um, a lot. Oh, God, it's it's a lot. I, I will say, like, the one, I think the one big thing about this movie is it's, it set the standard for how Disney animation would look for, like, the next 20 years. Yeah. And, like, and in this movie, you can see future movies that they will do. Like, you can see Lady and the Tramp. You can see the Aristocats. Like, every... I always forget the Aristocats exists. That's my. That's one of my favorite fucking ones, dude. It's, it's so good. It's so boring. Okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's like that what one if, deserved what a direct if, to video sequel. What if we made one hundred one Dalmatians, right? But fewer animals, and we took away the villain. That's not true. They made. Well, okay. Wait. This is unfair, but I don't know how. <laughs> so, but it is unfair. It's a good movie. It's not great. God, this movie just has such a look. Like I just I could talk about how this movie looks forever. It's like a lot of people complain about the scratchy, sketchy look of Disney movies when they came out. They're like, oh, it looks it looks cheaper. You could tell they made they like used less money to make it. And like A, that's unfair. I don't but know. B Is it unfair? Because I think that it, it did use it, less money to make this than like it, Sleeping it is, Beauty. It, it is unfair, but like okay, like okay, yes, they used they, they they used less money to make this movie than Sleeping Beauty. But to be fair, Sleeping Beauty was insanity. Like it it was a movie that was more expensive than it had to be. Like mm-hmm. the 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 amount of time and effort and money put into Sleeping Beauty was, I will say, unnecessary and pointless. It adds nothing to the movie other than making it this like ridiculously beautiful thing. But but there's no depth to it other than that and it's only like compare this movie to like the 
the budget of earlier. Whoa, can we talk for a second about how mad you got about Sleeping Beauty? <laughs> listen, I listen, Sleeping Beauty is it it's 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 not Sleeping Beauty that I'm mad at. It's a beautiful film and I love watching it, but fuck, man, like people always go back and compare everything to Sleeping Beauty and it's like, yeah, it's really pretty, but guess what? It's like everything that's wrong with the animation industry in one movie. And it, we seem to not learn from it because you'll always get uh, another movie that like strives to be the prettiest movie ever, like fucking uh, 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 Avatar the Blue People movie. And it's oh like, God. yeah, you can be the prettiest movie in existence. You can set the standard for the next 50 years. But guess what, man? Like if you don't have any depth, anything further than that, nobody cares. I mean, it doesn't it's matter not if you a cultural... write a shitty movie. Yeah, exactly. And like Sleeping Beauty, I'll give it that at least over every other movie that came after it, Sleeping Beauty is a cultural touchstone mm -hmm. because over the years it's kind of been accepted as being like the beginning of the Disney princess story that Disney would start kind of rehashing. I'll say this too about Sleeping Beauty is um, they apparently wrote the... Drew, drew it around the music. Yeah. Which already existed. So it's got good music and it it's has got fantastic music and it has music that like if you have good visuals and good music i, I just was... feel like that movie should have done better is the thing but uh it's it's definitely unfair in general to compare two different styles of animation like look at look at emperor's new groove there's not a lot of stuff that mm -hmm. looks like that uh yeah but it's still well animated you just wouldn't get that unless somebody made the decision to make everybody look kind of blocky, but a little bit fluid. And if you if you look at the budgets of Disney animated movies before 101 Dalmatians, with the exception of Sleeping Beauty, which is which is double, their all of their budgets are hover around the same amount. Okay. Three to four million. I personally prefer the way 101 Dalmatians looks and feels to Sleeping Beauty simply because like, yeah, Sleeping Beauty is great and amazing and beautiful, but like the way Roger just moves when he's, uh, when he's singing to, um, Anita. Anita is the woman. Yeah. That yeah. took me, that took me a bit of a grip. I have her yeah, in the my way... notes as Perdita sometimes. Yeah, the, the way that Roger moves when he's talking to Anita, like, and the way he emotes when mm -hmm. he's singing and the way he, like, walks up the stairs or dances, it's, or even, like, there's an amazing bit at the beginning of, let's talk, we're talking about the movie now. Okay. The, there's an amazing bit at the beginning of the movie when Pongo is looking for a suitable mate for his pet, and yes, they have all and... of these humans paired up with dogs. And here's like, the thing instantly, about this. It those goes people on have for... more character than anybody in Sleeping Beauty. Sorry, go ahead. It goes on for too long. But it doesn't feel like it goes on for too long. Like, if this were another movie, I would get super bored with this gag. But they sell it. Yeah, the joke of humans look like their pets. They take it to its logical extreme. Mm -hmm. And then they keep going. Oh, it feels good. And we, we, see this, we see this nice fluid animation when Pongo gets... Gets Roger out of the house. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Into the park, following Anita and Perdita. And eventually just dunks them both into, like, a pond. I, 
I I want to I want to though my favorite thing I think about this entire encounter is that when is like Pongo's test where he just walks Roger past Anita and both Anita and Perdita like look up like hmm maybe <laughs> like it's a small moment but it's really mm-hmm. funny cuz like as an adult you're like yeah we know what she's doing She's scoping Maybe because out. I will look up, if I'm reading a book, I'll look up when somebody walks past to, like, make sure I know who's around me. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but there's, there's, there's looking up because somebody's walking past and there's maintaining, and there's, right? Mm. Yeah, there's, 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 like, what, like, what, what is it? There's reconnaissance and there's marking a target. And Roger was marked. Fucking video game nerds, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking water when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell I've been playing a lot of video games? All right. Yeah, so so Pongo's... Pongo kind of forces Roger into a a meet cute. Into into a scene that, honestly, it, it feels like it came out of a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, it could be. Definitely. They both end up um, in the bar and they're both laughing, and then we immediately cut to a wedding. Yeah, they're cut not to chapel. Any time. Like, <laughs> cut to chapel is, I think, I my favorite stage direction ever. <laughs> so, and then after this scene, cut to chapel, and then cut to we're all living together in this small little house. And it's a small house, but it's not a small house. Like. It's, it's a it's a it's a good house for two newlyweds and two dogs. And it's a it it seems like I don't know actually how much money it costs to live in London. It seems like a pretty good house for London. And I want to talk for a second about this because Roger's not making any money, right? Well, he's he's making money. Like he's he's a songwriter. He was obviously he's obviously making money. I don't know. I think. I, when I, I watched think the, this, it seemed like I, Anita was like providing for Roger as he was trying to make his songs. Well, it it really which, seems to me like they're fine. both I they're don't... both working. Okay. I think I think there is there is a gag in this movie that Roger's like Roger's songs do provide them money, but it's not a lot. it's not like it's not like everything money, yeah. But he, well, here's the thing about this. So this is a nice house. They have a live-in maid. Slash, they call her Nanny. Which is fine. But she basically does end up being a nanny for these puppies. Yes. So, like, how how much do you have to pay somebody for that? To just live in your house all the time. And Um, clean up after you. Seems like it would be a lot. If you provide them, I think, with the room as well as payment, I would think it wouldn't be as much. But I get what I get. What your point is? Yeah, like I don't have an intern. It's, but but I will. I mean, you can just get an unpaid one. I thought about it, man. I thought, hey, <laughs> here's the thing. I don't want to do. I wonder if big businesses do this. Could I do this? Well, so here's the thing: is it is illegal, right? It's just big businesses get away with them because they're big, right? And you're not. Okay. So, so I I do want to talk for a bit about. This movie has such a has such a setting like mm. like this is a particular period of time of London that this movie is set in 
where where people just casually drop words like Scotland Yard, and you're like, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, Scotland Yard. Obviously. Um, yeah, like it, it feels very uh, like it. This movie feels like it's set in in like the 1960s. Um, I think it's a little bit earlier than that. I think it's supposed to be 50s. Sure. But like, but yeah. like it's it's like it's set in this particular decade, and it really it really maintains that tone throughout the entire film, like both for the, like the the establishing shots of like certain um, settings that the scenes will take place in, as well as just how everybody is casually dressed. Like there's like a there's like a, a reference to to Coco Chanel at some point, and how like Parisian fashion was like overtaking like europe or and or europe and britain at this point mm-hmm. and like it i don't know there's like a lot of little ideas that are that like kind of run through the veins of this movie that make it just feel like it's set in a place yeah and that's and um that's unusual in a disney movie especially yeah because the, disney movies are so often set in in like this timeless void yeah or fairy tale land, like if it's a Disney princess movie, it's meant to be vague because you want this. It's this idea of like being a fantasy, but this this story is more of a. It's, it's less of a fantasy and more thing. of a tale. Yeah. Yeah. It and and it being grounded, I think, also adds to its superiority because I don't know. I, I like it when like you watch a movie and there's a distinct sense of I could go there. Hmm. I mean, obviously, I can't go there because I, I'm not a time traveler yet. But, but, know, but just, you like, have like gone just, there. Yeah, like it feels like I could just like like because reach through the screen. You will be a time traveler. Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't know what time travel me is going to be getting up to. What shenanigans? That's a good point. Maybe maybe he just never makes it to 1950s London. That's a pity. I want to get oh, to man. ancient Egypt. I don't know. I don't know how how. Uh... So, uh, if you want to play the new Assassin's Creed game, it has a mode. It, it has a mode where you can turn off all story, and it just makes the game a giant interactive museum. Ah, oh, fuck! Right, I know. It makes me want. <laughs> I would pay sixty dollars just for that. I don't, I don't want to buy an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> no, I know, but it has. It's told. It's like it, it has this but, feature, though. Is it the Egypt one? It's Ptolemaic Egypt, yes. Damn it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> now, here's now I don't know if you have to beat the game to unlock this mode. Ah. That's a good point. But fuck, it I I'm I'm so willing to check. I don't need Assassin's Creed story anymore or gameplay. I just want a, a nice open world museum. So we're still in the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah, okay, so Perdita um, sort of just tosses in that she's preggers. Oh, man, yeah, like that that really got me. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and then Corella shows up. Oh, gosh. And, and which we've, we've already talked great, about her. Roger does his great fuck you song. Mm-hmm. Corella, like I said, is Nita's schoolmate, even though she mm-hmm. seems to be 800 years older than her. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the smoking. You know, it, it ages a person. Yeah, don't smoke, kids. And and whatever she's smoking cannot be good for her because it leaves a sickly green smoke. Like, that shit's radioactive. Wow. And she, her, her skin color is, like, gray. It she, is... 
the smoking is not going well for her, I think. Yeah. And Perdita, when Cruella leaves, is scared and crying because she doesn't really have control over the fate of her children. And I really like that. And what it kind of made me flash back to was that bullshit scene in Balto 2. Oh my god. Where, for reasons never given, the dogs are giving away the puppies. <laughs> but this, <laughs> but that's another thing that makes this movie feel more grounded, because... I am... Mm-hmm. I'm insulted that in, in this, like, moment of me being happy, you brought Balto 2 back into my life. Well, I just... I just... It's, it's a good comparison to how this movie does it well, though, because... No, yeah, on, this movie does everything that Balto movie, tries to do better. Okay, so the problem with the Balto universe, which is a weird thing to say because <laughs> the Balto, Balto cinematic universe, dog, the Balto cinematic universe, the BCU. The problem with it was because I never, I was, I never figured out what the hell humans were doing in that universe. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. In this universe, humans are in control because they are. They- There there is a clear dividing line between what the humans are are capable of and what the dogs are capable of. Mm -hmm. And none none of that framework is ever broken. And Perdita is scared because she is not the one who gets to make the decision over what happens to her puppies. And there's an amazing, I think... By the way, I wrote this down. Dalmatians have ten nipples, so five would be a good number. So three times, holy shit! Oh. But yeah, so there's there is a. Uh, is, have you been looking this up the whole time? I looked it up when they said fifteen puppies because I was like, "That's a lot of puppies." That is a lot of puppies, and it is. Uh, Dalmatian has been known to have sixteen. That's the largest Dalmatian litter. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Well, so the 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 premise of the story, from what I when I remember reading the the Wikipedia article for the original book, is that 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 actually happened to the author and then she had this idea for a story okay cool so but um she was like man 15 could you imagine if it was 101 honey get me my pen (laughs) (laughs) freaking walt disney's gonna love this shit i well i was on a tangent i like i like you were lost what i was talking about oh right right right. when when cruella de leaves there's also a great little character moment um where anita um like faints onto a chair like mm-hmm. like just the three seconds of being around Cruella de Vil again she's just exhausted like that is too much time and I, it makes me wonder what Why, their what their relationship yeah well, they're not friends uh that she Cruella de Vil is a former schoolmate that's as far as they go describing the relationship so it makes me wonder what what it is about Anita that Cruella the Deville like stuck around her life that is an interesting question because it's clear from this point on that she stuck around because she wants those puppies but that can't have always been the reason in the case there has to have been something else and it makes me I don't know like there there are Cruella Deville's in the world and it makes me wonder like what what one would have to do to have that kind of person stuck in their life for so long. Yeah. Well, Perdita's very polite about around Cruella. Maybe not everybody is. Maybe it's just that Perdita would She's put too up nice with her. for her own good. I keep calling her Perdita. This is Anita. 
I, I need hate it. That they're, they're it doesn't help that yeah, it doesn't help that they made the names rhyme. Yeah, it's funny because Anita is also a Spanish name for little um, Anne. Yeah. Oh, what? And <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. All right. Ita is a. Uh, it's a uh, kind of a. Two years of Spanish in high school. <laughs> uh, t- speaking Spanish their whole life, but yeah, no, like uh, the uh, I find it very in- like I'm finding it really interesting now that by changing the dog, the female Dalmatian to Perdita, they also decided to give her human owner a Spanish name. I think that's a cool choice. It doesn't help that they rhyme though. No, it it really messes with me. I'm so bad at that. So three weeks later. They get an entire litter of 15 puppies. And there's this beautiful scene where, like, it's super sad where the nanny just walks out, 14, and, like, and Roger's just sitting there like, oh, you know, these things happen. But I wonder. And he just, like, and I don't know why, but, like, the, the, like, five-second scene of him just, like, rubbing this little mound of uh, cloth, Mm -hmm. like, relaxed me. It's so a much? very good scene, and I was actually going to mention that when we were talking about animation, because this is... It's... It's... it's It feels, like, subtle, and you get a lot of... Um, it's so soothing. Yeah. I, I feel like I got a lot out of it. Plus, it reminded me, like, when I saw this, I thought, well, that's a weird thing to do for the puppy. And then I thought, I read the Tiffany Aching books, and... I know that that if you have an animal that seems dead, that you warm it up just in case. Yeah. I don't know why I went to Tiffany Aching for that, but here I am. I mean, you know, we all have our our references, our our tidbits of information that we remember. There's like so, a there's like a story about her grandmother warming up a lamb in an oven. That's weird. Well, it's like a special warming oven that she had for the lambs because. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh man, I was just like the lamb and like in with the coals. It's like you know what? Just preheat the oven to a hundred degrees and we'll toss it in there. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, veal. That's okay. This is the most depressive (laughs) I've been so far on the (laughs) plot. Sorry. Uh, So. Well, get ready to be slightly more depressed because when Corella Deville shows up to buy the entire litter, Roger, in a very good character establishing moment, uh, uh, is determined that they're not for sale. It's really good, and he clearly does not stand up to people a lot, which is another reason why he obviously needs Anita around. Yeah, he probably didn't even get paid for his music until she showed up. Here's the thing, Cruella has this skewed idea of what success is, because like I said, these two seem to be doing fine. Like, they're not super rich, but they seem to have it together, and she doesn't believe that they can feed 15 puppies. And I, I think, like, when she says you can scarcely afford to, afford to feed yourselves, I was like, bitch... Like, they have a nanny. <laughs> right. When she said that, I thought... Well, yes, they fucking can. What is your problem? I I think she just said that to be a bitch. Yeah, I think. Well, I think maybe even she believes that because she has she's rich as fuck and wears new furs every day or whatever. Even though she always wears the same fur in the movie. Yeah. Well, maybe they're different. I don't know. Ugh. 
Like maybe they're different furs maybe that are the same fur. Maybe she has in her closet 800 oh, identical furs. What a bad person. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into the logistics of making fur coats in a bit. I don't... I know we, I, we're not going to like get deep in there, but we're going to get in there a little bit. Because her plan is ridiculous. So she hires uh, two Oh, well, crooks. I, I want to I mention this one bit. Partially oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's going to become a bigger bit in the um, next movie. But, the, but mostly because when the puppies are watching TV, it's one of the most accurate depictions of actual children's dialogue. Oh, yeah, I forgot seen. about this. It's, it it doesn't does, help that when I was watching, when uh-huh. I was watching it, I was thinking, no, yeah, I would watch this if I was a kid. Fuck yeah. It's just that the, 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 the kids arguing in front of the television, that that felt like my childhood. It felt like watching 15... If 15 kids were in front of a TV, this oh, is what man. would happen. And that, and yeah, and you would have that one kid who's just like... Way too absorbed. close. Absorbed. Yeah. Yeah. And then the one kid who's like, hey, I'm hungry. I was like, no, you just ate. You're not actually hungry. You're just bored. Yes, this which is, is why I, often I was hungry as a kid. But and yeah, like it, it, it's such a heartwarming moment to mm-hmm. just see this family of seventeen. I also really like the smash cut at the end of that fucking TV show to an advertisement. Here's the thing: the advertisement appears to be directed at dogs. <laughs> oh yeah, which is uh, weird. But you, you actually, you know what? Now that I stop thinking about it, it reminds me of the Scooby Doo snacks with the mystery treat because. <laughs> The dog doesn't care that it's a mystery treat. How are you going to find out? Yeah, no, it's... Hey, kids, eat this dog treat and tell me what you think it is. So when I was a kid... Okay, good. Yep, all right. No, it's fine. Uh, I'm just going to stop there. Um, Did you eat the Scooby-Doo mystery treat? I... I, No. I will not say. I refuse. I will not go on the record (laughs) and incriminate myself. Okay, speaking of incriminating... Criminals. So, so these two criminals go in and ste- are hired by Cruella Deville. We don't well, we don't know that yet, but they're hired by Cruella Deville mm-hmm. to steal these puppies. Uh, one, uh, so their names are Jasper and Horace, and Horace, I believe, is like has this little offhand line where he mentions that that they have been arrested before, and if they get arrested one more time, they're just going to go straight to prison. Right, like a three strikes rule. Yeah. So they they must be like petty criminals because when you steal a certain amount of stuff, you do just get sent to prison. Yeah. So they successfully steal this litter of puppies and after trapping uh, after trapping Nanny in the uh, music room. Yeah, and I will say, as a kid, when I watched this scene, I was very distressed because it felt like a robbery. Like yeah, it's a decent depiction of what a robbery might look like, and it's not that cartoony. It's more like they just stole these things. Yeah, it. The the it's funny because like despite the fact that the crime in 101 Dalmatians is so petty and minor, like they just stole dogs. Right. Although it feels it feels actually, it feels just as if not more evil than any other Disney villain because of how raw a the theft yeah. is and b the, the the how they speak of ridding themselves of puppies later oh yeah that's that's nasty oh okay just so you know though they stole fifteen thousand dollars worth of dog 
Jesus Christ. Yep, they go for about no, no, $1,000 no. each if you buy They bought those. Didn't they say that they bought the rest of them? They did, but $15,000 is just the 15 puppies. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, so Jesus Christ. Yes. So Corella does have a lot of money to throw around if she bought all those other dogs. She bought, what, 87? Yeah. No. 80... 80, 87 plus 15 is 99, yeah. Right? That doesn't no, sound right. Not, but what the, what the hell? 84. <laughs> That's why... <laughs> The I will say the the confidence with which you said that made me a I person have, who who I is getting a bachelor's in mathematics go yeah wait I have so many math teachers who can never learn about that oh man yeah eighty four so yeah, so 84. that's eighty four thousand dollars Jesus that's a lot of money so. <laughs> So, uh, uh, after what seems like an indeterminate amount of time, it's determined that Scotland Yard is unable to figure out who well, stole I these puppies, this because where they went. Because it's definitely a slow news day. Multiple papers sent photographers by to take pictures of people sadly looking at an empty kitchen. I mean, you just told me that they stole $15,000 worth of dog. They did. That's that a lot. Seems, that seems like it would at least be... Maybe but not front, front page front worthy. Page. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe some of these were local papers. Maybe. But yeah, Scotland Yard has been it's it's even mentioned that they looked into Cruella, which Yeah, that Roger that Roger demanded they look into Cruella because he doesn't trust her. Her her name is Cruel Deville. Devil. <laughs> and she said how she would get revenge for not selling them the puppies. There's a call from Jasper and Horace to Cruella. I can't remember what they say. Oh, yeah, they're talking. They're actually talking about the newspapers. How this, you know, they they didn't sign up to actually be incriminated for something. Yeah. And Cruella is wearing fur pajamas. Which <laughs> what? I didn't notice that. That sounds insane. That'd be so hot. That's crazy. She also has like fur drapings on her bed. Yeah. It's oh. it's gotta suck in Cruella's room. She, it must be just stuffy and dusty all the time. So I thought that was entertaining. No, but no, yeah, I agree. So so Pongo and Perdita use the twilight bark, which is the coolest idea in the history of anything. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hate dog... it when they use it again in the next movie because it kind of feels like it cheapened it. No, definitely, definitely. This big cool thing. It, re- it reminds me of like that thing that the that like neighbor like neighborhoods used to do in like the eighties and nineties, where like if anything bad ever happened, all of the adults in your neighborhood would have like a number of adults that they would have to call to help spread the word really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a phone tree or whatever they call. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. And so it's like that, but with every dog in from in England, what it feels like. Right, in England, first first in London, so the whole city is up in dog barks. And then as as we get out to the country and there are fewer and fewer dogs, it's like this one dog needs to pick up the call and keep it going. And that was... I really enjoy... It's... I enjoy the Twilight Bark and all the lore inside the Twilight Bark. Like, you could... You could set a movie in this world and have it take place 
somewhere else, and this would be the only thing connecting the two. So, which well, would be super feel, cool. It makes it feel big and small at the same time. In a time yeah. when everybody has internet, to imagine being the guy out at the edge of the Twilight Bark. And what would yeah. that be like? That's interesting. And you have, I, I like this stuff. It... Yeah, it, it it sets it makes this small like because like this this can't be that big of a of an area like I don't think what is it Suffix is where the puppies are mm-hmm. that that Suffix is that far from London and yet like because we're dealing with this on the scale of dogs in mm-hmm. the fifties it's such a long way eventually the bark makes its way to Colonel um who's like this very very old sheepdog at like a military academy and yeah it's not clear why colonel believes himself to be a colonel believes the horse to be a captain and believes the dog to be a sergeant although every, I'll, I'll say everybody else believes this too i said dog i meant cat everybody else yeah. believes this too everybody else has signed up for it but i i I think it, it seems to me like the, the, the idea that I built up in my head when I was watching this movie is, oh, so this horse, cat, and dog belong to, like, an old retired military man. That that would make sense, yeah. Who who just called his horse, dog, and cat Colonel, Captain, and Tibbs. Yep, Sergeant Tibbs. Sergeant Tibbs. I love Tibbs. Tibbs on the devil, man, on the devil. I like the Colonel and Sergeant Tibbs. They got a good relationship going. I want the they captain really to do. do more because I was thinking, okay, but this is a horse. <laughs> like, sure, the cat can get him out of there, but they also have a horse. Yeah, no, that horse could have definitely killed those two henchmen. <laughs> oh, yes, that could happen. Horses are massive, especially like uh, military horses. Mm-hmm. But also, it's a Disney movie, so you know. Yes. So the Tibbs horse goes and finds the horse finds has the been. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say the horse has been, but then I forgot the term that gamers use when a thing in a game has, like, nerfed. lowered... Thank you. Nerfed. The horse has been nerfed. That's right. I also occasionally See, play video games. I never play multiplayer games. I I that... used to play Adventure Quest when I was younger. Oh, um, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they had a lot of jokes about stuff like that. Like, they like to reference other games a lot. Sergeant Tibbs. The, uh, Sergeant Tibbs uh, tells the colonel that he remembers a bunch of puppies being taken to a place called Hell Hall. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the colonel says the Dull Deville place. So uh-huh. now we know for certain. That Cruella's behind all this shit. Yes. So, so Tibbs and the colonel go over to Hell Hall or to... Or is it... I think at this point it's just Tibbs. Yes. So just Tibbs... Tibbs or just Tibbs goes in. Maybe the colonel stays outside. Yeah, he does reconnaissance. Tibbs goes in. He finds all the puppies. The craziest thing to me, and I wasn't sure how I felt about this. It's not insane or anything. It's just that the 15 puppies are watching TV. Yeah. And I guess if you have been kidnapped and you're scared and alone and you only have each other... You might just sit and watch TV. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the this movie doesn't get go into exactly what the frame of reference that these puppies have for their mm-hmm. situation, other than it sucks, but hey, that we have TV. Yeah. Uh, Tibbs manages to count the 15 missing puppies, and they send word back to London using the Twilight Bark. Mm-hmm. Right, and so um, 
and 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 Pongo. Pongo and Perdita immediately are like, we we gone. Yeah. We're gonna go get our kids with a big old dog. Oh, he's what is he like a Great Dane, right? Yeah. Like the opposite of Scooby Doo. Yeah, he's like this dog is noble and perfect and beautiful. Marmaduke. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to Suffix to save their pups. To save their pups. Meanwhile... puppies. Um. Oh, no, because Corella shows up, so that's why they go back. Yeah, so... Corella shows so, up. Yeah. Corella has been spooked by the police, so she decides that the smart thing to do <laughs> is give her dog skin coats now, because a coat made of dog skin screams innocent. And that's, that's, so, so that is crazy. But here's the other thing that's insane, right? She's ordered her henchmen to just, like, kill all these puppies and skin them. And I assume deliver these dog skins somewhere to be made into a coat. Uh, I don't know what the logistics of making a fur coat is. But you Uh definitely do not need 99 puppies to make a full, a full coat just definitely do not need that many oh they're not big enough we won't even get half a dozen out of them and she says then half a dozen will have to do she was ready for like i don't know 50 coats or something so so was her plan to raise these puppies into full dogs i think so she could have just bought full dogs like she has the money maybe she just wanted to get a little bit bigger so their coats are still soft Oh, so she wanted she maybe she just wanted to like grow slightly attached so that killing them would hurt more. I who knows. I don't but think she's a crazy person. To things. You make a good point, but either way, like she is definitely a crazy person. Like yeah. the this entire plan seems to begun and ended at man. I really want to kill uh, a bunch uh, of at almost a hundred puppies, <laughs> but I can't just do that. Well, what so, if I made fur coats out of their bodies? That okay? Let's. That's that. At least I'm getting something else out of it. Like it's crazy. It is put forth in the next in the next movie that Corella has an obsession. We'll which, talk about that when we get there. Which makes a certain amount of sense, but that is the only reasonable thing done with her character in the next movie. The next um, movie is bad. It is bad in a lot of fun ways. Yes, it's bad in good ways. So Tibbs is like, oh shit, I can't let her kill 99 puppies. We're out. Which, yeah, I, I like that. The I was thinking when I was watching this movie, I was like, alright Tibbs, this is your chance. Just take the 15. Maybe they won't miss them. <laughs> Which is terrible. But that nah, Tibbs like, Tibbs runs the gamut. He's like, I'm going to save all 99 of these pups. Tibbs is a goddamn hero. Like, seriously, like, if anybody deserves a medal, it's Tibbs. He should be, you know what? He should be promoted to Colonel. Well, he should, but, but Colonel is sort of a job you get when you're done with doing real work. I I, yeah, no, I don't know what, I don't know how rankings work in the military, but I don't think a hmm. I mean, that what I said is based on fiction. If there is a colonel listening to this podcast, please don't come to my house and kill me. I don't, okay, wow. <laughs> you, just made, you just made so many assumptions in that one sentence. Yeah, one. That a colonel listens to our... Big with colonels. Two, that colonels <laughs> are just willing and able to find people who make podcasts and kill them. I don't think that's that crazy. 
Anyway. I, I do. <laughs> so while the dogs are escaping, Jasper and Horace are watching What's My Crime? Which, which is, is an amazing show premise. It's a very good show premise. It's kind of a weird... It fits... I, it, in, in a weird way, it does fit with this... With the universe they've created. But... I don't understand why they decided that this movie needed to show in it. It's such a cool, like, sh- I, I forgive it because A, it's such a fun, cool idea for a show. But B, my favorite thing is that Horace and Jasper recognize yeah, the... Yeah, they, they know the guy. The contestant. Yes. Who, and... Who is going to possibly win, like, 10,000 pounds? Or something. And a and a week and like a week's vacation. Yeah. Once he gets out of prison. <laughs> yes, after he has paid his debt to society. So, oh, and he's like man. super excited to be on the show, but he keeps on glancing over at the police That's officer like... who's glaring at him the whole time. <laughs> such a good Oh man. You know what it feels like? It feels like a it's like a weird micro uh Oh shit! Sorry, Emperor's New Groove moment in this movie. <laughs> yeah, because like, because like, I don't know if the idea of a reality TV show like that would have existed in the fifties and sixties. Although I guess this movie was made in the sixties, yeah. so it did. Like, it, it kind of feels like okay. One, I feel like shows like that got big in England first, so maybe that's what it's based oh, on. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, maybe. But also, it's such a funny thing. I sort of wonder if the original idea for the end of this movie was that Jasper and Horace end up on What's My Crime. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, nobody would be able to guess that shit. Yes. Actually, their crime was stealing 15 puppies to be made into fur coats. Well, that's all the time we have on What's My Crime. It's like, well, who the fuck was going to guess that? So, Tibbs leads... 99 puppies and two adult men on a chase through an abandoned mansion. In what is one of the most harrowing, like, chase sequences ever. Because there's, like, multiple moments where... They're caught. Like, the tension is ramped up and they get caught and they have to scatter again. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things I love is there's a moment when they're basically caught and Tibbs just starts running and all the puppies start running... And there's nothing Jasper and Horace can do about that. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> they just get swarmed by a hundred puppies. I, I like, it, it's it's a really a case of, like, like what is it? Like, what would you rather fight? One, uh, <laughs> one duck-sized... One, one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? I would rather fight the horse-sized duck because then it's, it's just one. Yes, it's massive, but it's one. I don't know. Ducks are mean. Ducks are mean, but so are horses. A hundred duck-sized horses would kind of suck. Tibbs leaves them on this chase, but they end up gone. And then bursting through the windows come Perdita and Pongo. Who and like they and are, who have through a montage like of travel finally yes, made it. Yes. And they are mad. They do this thing that you will see dogs do. Like, it felt real. It, there. it reminded me of the moment in The Fox and the Hound when, but it wasn't, like, for it a... it wasn't as visceral as Fox and the Hound. I yeah, mean, that's, that's the thing. I could be scared of Todd in that moment, but I always, like, I was always on Pongo and Perdita's side. But like, I, I think that's the thing, is, like, the reason in The Fox and the Hound it's so visceral is it's because it's between two friends, whereas in this movie it's like, no, fuck those guys up. Yeah. And Perdita straight up tries to burn a man alive. 
she's taking no prisoners here. <laughs> oh man, there's what like a crazy moment where um, Jasper gets bit in the butt, and meanwhile Perdita's burning a man alive. Yeah, no, seriously, like, Pongo's like, we're just gonna incapacitate them, right, honey? Sets a man on fire. Sorry, I couldn't hear you over the sound of how mad I am. Incapacitate. No more moving. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, man. What a good movie. So, they retreat uh, to the farmhouse. Hmm. They, God, so this next, like, kind of series of scenes is very simple. It's really, it's like a very Homeward Bound-esque yeah, the movie really kind of flies by after this. This is the last, I don't know, third of the movie. Mm-hmm. But these, the, yeah, the next series of scenes is just like kind of a montage of of the the hardships that is traveling with ninety nine or yeah ninety nine. Kind of in the middle of winter. Yeah, in the middle of winter, which, and that's that's the thing is is like like. Two adult dogs traveling in the winter would have kind of a hard time, but now they have 99 puppies, and that makes their journey almost impossible. Yeah, so there's all this stuff about, like, covering tracks and having to travel on ice instead of snow. There's a beautiful... Uh, up and down the countryside by Cruella de Vil. Yeah, no, for sure. And then, like, there, there's, like... So they meet up with a collie in... Like, one of the most beautifully drawn dogs I have ever seen. Like, yes. Although I do want to mention, this is the, the, the part before this, the captain does kick Horace and Jasper Horace. through a wall. So, like, this is the first and last time the captain does something like, I'm a giant horse. Yeah. I felt like I felt like we owed it to him to put that in there. But then, yes, we meet basically Lassie. So, Disney is really good at drawing dogs. They made so many movies that have dogs in them. Yes. But this... This border collie is like one of the most beautifully drawn dogs I've ever seen. Like I wrote it down. Like it, like it shows up like like an angel out of the horizon and yeah. And oh man, it takes them to meet these these cows who are the most accommodating cows. They're so nonchalant about having these puppies around. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, um, we'll feed your hundred puppies. Come here, man. Yeah. <laughs> And that's it's like a it's it's weird, but it's a nice it's a, it's a nice sweet moment. And meanwhile, Lassie brings Pongo a sandwich. And he's like, "I got these scraps for you, but part of the scraps is a piece of bread on the bottom and a piece of bread on top." And I found that so entertaining in this like, I just semi dour scene of like this I love... is their last safe haven. Yeah. <laughs> the. The idea that this border collie gets fed full sandwiches is like... <laughs> it's good. This is a good movie. Oh, man. So the the border collie tells Pongo that they're going to be rendezvousing in a nearby village where they will have another safe haven. This time they'll be meeting up with a, la- a black Labrador. I want to say this in their next traveling scene, if we're going to the next scene. Yeah, yeah. Cruella finds their tracks... Yeah. And for all of her many, many faults, Cruella is a smart woman who also seems to be a good leader and strategist. (laughs) She never underestimates the dogs for being dogs, which... uh, Horace and Jasper Jasper do constantly. Horace and Jasper do all the time. She thinks these dogs are trying to get away... And they just tried to cover their tracks, and I discovered them. 
I need to capitalize on this. She purposefully sends her minions to go around the town before going into the town while she goes directly in. Like, they're... She's pincer maneuvering these dogs. These dogs, yeah. Like, trapping them in this town, which does end up happening. So these dogs are trapped in, like, this old, uh... What is it, like a mill? Yeah, I guess. But the Labrador did find them a ride. There's a shipping truck that's... Uh, it's like shipping furniture to London and it's getting its engine repaired so if they could just sneak into that truck now how are they going to do this safe passage all the way to London how yeah like, like they need how to are you do gonna... something like like lab face okay okay wait no <laughs> no I reject this bit from its premise we're not doing this it was we're not doing this we're not doing this it just it just it's no just, I know but no just, uh... like Okay, we don't need it's to been, do this. It was, I it just, I, I saw it and I thought, what would this look like if it were people? Oh. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the big problem is, is how are you, how are we going to sneak 101 dogs past this woman? We're going to, we're going to roll around in soot to look like Labradors, which is a good idea. So this is this is like a great moment, I think, on the movies because I was thinking, wait a minute, if they still walk around though, there's still a hundred and one dogs. That's still like super suspicious. Yeah, and so and then Pongo says, groups. yeah, Pongo says we'll go in groups, and I was like, oh, that's really smart. Yeah, and that's that's another great tension building yeah. moment because now they need to get all the puppies onto this van. Like they need to be subtle about it so they're not caught. Yeah. But they need to and, be fast about it so they're not caught. And But they also need to be fast about it so they're not left behind. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's dawn, so the dawn is breaking and the snow is melting. And this ends up being their downfall because the last group of uh, puppies, as they make their way into onto the truck, uh, the melting snow starts washing away the soot. And here's, and again, Corella does not underestimate these puppies. I mean, she is surprised. She said that's not possible, but then accepts it as possible. And in a fit of rage, uh, this movie becomes a Fast and the Furious film. Very quickly, she steps up her rap sheet by trying to run a moving van straight off the road. And she gets red eyes, and this is the first time it suggested that, hey, maybe Corella is actually just a devil woman. Maybe she's actually just pure vile hatred and evil. Like there is no, there is no sympathy for her character and Iota throughout this entire movie. So when she ramps up to attempted murder, you're just like, no, yeah. But that's this is like the first crime she's done that would be witnessed by another person. Is she planning to kill this guy? I guess. I mean, probably. Yeah. So, just as she's about to run this moving van off the road, Horace and Jasper, who are trying to cut off the van from another direction, end up crashing into her instead, throwing them into a ravine. And they are all very lucky to be alive. Jesus Christ, yeah. Cars back then didn't have seatbelts. And both of the cars are basically destroyed. And this is where I think the craziest bit of lore that this movie just drops and doesn't talk about Okay. That Roger's song about Cruella DeVille became a big hit. And I yes. get why. It's a super catchy tune. But yeah. also, what? 
No, I don't think Dude. that's crazy. It's like when, uh, you know, sometimes there will be a pop song that was, like, clearly written about a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something. Yeah, like Jenny. I mean, I get it. I, sometimes a song becomes popular for like no for like a, a random weird reason. But here's the thing: when I saw this, and they did play with this very slightly in the next movie, when yeah. I saw this, I got really sad that there was never a scene where Cruella has to listen to Cruella. <laughs> like right? there's never like that's, her walking into a, a diner and Cruella Deville is playing. Oh man, I would have loved that. I would have loved if part of her anger about these puppies was the fact that roger wrote a song about how terrible she is and it, and got it became huge. a big hit yeah. and so uh roger anita and the nanny are trying to celebrate christmas but they're all kind of down because like not only did their puppies get kidnapped or puppy napped but puppy also napped. their dogs ran away and yeah. it's like and it's like that's like I, I yeah like that that's such a downer to the rest of your year that would suck a lot. So then the Dalmatians come back, and the funny thing is, as far as I can tell, as this movie presents it, the question of where did these dogs come from is never answered. From no, 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 no. Because when, when, so when, uh, when the first fifteen puppies are born, Roger leans over to Pongo and like rubs his head and goes, "Oh, Pongo, you old rascal!" <laughs> and when Pongo and Perdita run in with ninety nine dogs, he says the same thing, which means he just assumes he just that ass- not only not only did Pongo and Perdita go and find their puppies, but they also made eighty four more along the way. Would die. She just exploded like with like t- turn off the princess factory, turn on the dog factory. <laughs> Why did we make this? <laughs> we played with God. We played gods, but we never asked ourselves, maybe no, maybe we should stop. We played with and God, and we won this dog factory in poker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But now Cruella, we're... it seems like she's never charged with anything, because there's definitely no evidence to her crimes. Well, the next, the, they kind of, like, honestly forget about her in this movie. Like, she, as far as the movie's concerned, like, her, she's stuck in a ditch who knows how many miles away. I and... remember vaguely when I watched the live-action version that when she's in the ditch, there are sirens. Yeah, yeah, which, which but makes sense. But that doesn't happen in this movie. No. Which, I think the, the live-action movie takes place in, like, the 90s. Does it take place in the 90s? I know. I think so. I, I, it was, but I don't think it was like a period film. I think they just made it take place in the 90s when they made it. I don't it. love that. Um, I'll have to rewatch it. I haven't watched it in a while, and I was going to watch it, but then you told me to save it, but then I guess you watched it? I didn't watch it. I just oh. remember that from childhood. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to get really yeah. mad at you. No, no, no. I can't believe I, you would betray me. I want Top to be able anime to betrayals. do... A second 101 Dalmatians episode. <laughs> With a superior, the superior sequel name. Yes. No, for sure. This movie's name. a joy. Yes. My, this, this to me is like the epitome of how fucking good the animation is in this movie. Because they're wiping the soot off of these dogs and everything is getting covered in soot. And the entire time I was thinking, man, this must have been hell to animate. I didn't think about that. But yeah, that would suck. But... It's a it's like a beautiful moment and like I think in a very underappreciated song is like 
I think it's we all remember like Cruella, Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville is way it's, better. It's so much. It's so good and so memorable. But I think Dalmatian, Dalmatian Plantation, Plantation is a fantastic song as well. I just think it gets overshadowed by by the it's the superior song it could use a couple more lines if dalmatian plantation had a couple more lines and it would feel more like a real song to me i mean it probably does yeah maybe it does maybe there's a full version so yeah so after so roger and anita decide like well now that now that we have 101 dalmatians we're just going to move out to the countryside i mean we have all this money like let's do it, seemed it like okay here's the funny thing i wrote that they should move to the countryside when they had 15 because <laughs> yeah, that's no, a definitely. lot of dalmatians well i think i think when they had 15 they were they had enough money to get by but they didn't have enough money to move right. you know that makes sense and then the big hit Coral deville came out which i guess if you stop to think about it Roger wrote that song on a whim. Like, he had the tune, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. And then Corella shows up, and he immediately... Like, is hit with all an inspiration. The in, which, by the way, is kind of what po- writing poetry can feel like. So, yeah. I actually really like that. <laughs> but then he, um... That song must have been produced when he believed her to have stolen his dogs. Oh, man. Think about that. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I can never prove that this happened. But I'm going to write this song that is basically me telling her, I fucking know you did it. Yeah. And that's it. That's that's the movie. So something that I do want to point out is that this movie is called 101 Dalmatians spelled out. Like it doesn't go 101 Dalmatians? No, it's the 100. it's, It's sorry. It was released as... The 101 Dalmatians, but then the movie was, or sorry, the book. The book was released as The 101 Dalmatians. Okay. The movie was released as 101 Dalmatians, because Americans. Yep. But, um, but yeah, it's all spelled out. And then, like cowards, uh, (laughs) they backed out, (laughs) and they called the next movie (laughs) 101 Dalmatians 2 all numbers no consistency <laughs> i'm sorry it's just that you called them cowards never mind <laughs> no that's what i was going for oh okay we're just gonna slide right in we're just gonna Start talking about this next movie. Yeah, let's do it. So, so it starts with this the spots opening, which they did in the last movie and we didn't mention. Yeah, I was gonna say I in the last movie it was it was like a this like super stylized like like mm-hmm. way of presenting the names of the people who helped make this movie. And then it also does this really cool thing where like as certain animation jobs are mentioned that job will be highlighted so that like when character animation shows up you have this, this like little animatic of pongo barking over it oh, and then it goes that. into That's yeah cool. and then it goes into layouts and it has like a sketch like they do this thing where they like sketch out a scene and then they go into color and they s- like slap color onto it it's mm. super cool That's that's really cool um this opening is not so cool it's just it's got a lot less charm it felt like they were trying to, like, make a Pixar short real quick. 
My I think my my biggest animation. my biggest problem with it is that in the last movie all of the spots were like they looked like Dalmatian spots. They were like these right. very they're just circles. They're just that, circles. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good metaphor for this movie, honestly. Like It actually super is. It tells you immediately what to expect. Which is a rehashing that loses all of the character, all of the shape, and all of the form and function of the last movie. Yeah. So immediately <laughs> I could see that the animation's different, right? There are oh, more it's, there are more it's, it's it's there are more like cut corners and there are more just it's not at, as it's not as sort of well done but at the same time the the backgrounds are done in this like faux painted style but all of the characters are animated super clean yeah which i wasn't thrilled about but it's not actually bad unless you actually compare it to yeah unless you watch it dalmatians which is just so good it's it's I think the problem with a lot of these direct to video movies is usually when you watch them it had it has been so long since you've seen the last one in this case like 50 years or 40 years mm-hmm. that it it does enough that it gives you the the impression of the last movie but watching them back to back you realize oh no no this They're is not, nothing like yeah. it. Yeah. So this this movie has the baffling premise that with well, 99 separate puppies, only one gets a personality. Which is funny because the, the the character premise is that this one puppy feels drowned by his 90, 90. yeah 98 siblings. I, I will say one thing that I have in common with Pongo in this movie is that counting past 20 is very difficult and haunts <laughs> me to this day. I, I really connected with him. One of the things I really love about Pongo is that he's always trying to count all of these puppies to make sure that, you know, he has them all. But one of the things that bothered me is that he kept trying to count to 101, which tells me that he's trying to count his puppies and also himself and his wife. Well, he like, just he starts at two. to make sure he still exists, but all right. he only needs to count to 99. Yeah. 90. All right, that's 100 a hundred dogs. What am I? Do I exist? Like I'm fading, Perdita. <laughs> I feel like he has stress dreams about counting. He does, he definitely. <laughs> oh, does. he definitely does. Yeah, he definitely has stress dreams about counting. But yeah. But like, there's a moment where he counts to 105, and he should have stopped when he got to 100 because obviously, there's you don't count to 100 for trying to get to 99. But I just. He, I mean, really if you do some re-ind- if if you do I- some reindexing, you just start at two and you go from there. But I understand <laughs> where your problem is. Well, it's something that's referenced in the movie a lot: the fact that there are a hundred and one of them. Even though, like Pat says this, and he should be saying ninety nine too, because he's probably not really comparing himself to his mom and dad the same way he is comparing himself to his siblings. to his siblings. Yeah. So Patch, who so Patch, in the Patch previous is the one movie, with the black thing over his eye, by the way. Yeah, he's in got... the last movie. He had he he just sat in I front thought, of the TV. That was his I thing. thought I thought in the last movie that he was called Spot, but I don't know for sure if that's true. I don't think it is. I believe they do call him Patch in the last movie. Okay, I'm not sure. They only so, give names to like three of the puppies in the last movie. Yeah, seriously. So Patch Patch has one solace uh, in this in this world of having ninety eight siblings. He loves 
the Thunderbolt Adventure Hour. He he's obsessed with the show to to the extent that maybe he needs an, an, another hobby. Um, he's like a walking Wikipedia article with this show. Yeah, he's like it made me think of um, the stereotypical Star Trek nerd. Yeah, is what he basically is. And I was really worried when this movie started that Jim Cummings would take his time to grace us with his presence. I didn't even um, notice him. Which one's Jim Cummings? He was he was the villain in the Adventure Hour. Like that's just Pete. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Like, like the moment that villain started talking and laughing, I was like, "There he is! There's Jim Cummings!" I'm so happy he could. I'm so happy he didn't take his time. I, I, the Adventure Hour, the whole thing with the Adventure Hour started to bother me. So I, I understand. Wasn't real thrilled about it. He loves this show, and he wants to. He he finds out that that the that Thunderbolt is gonna have like a tour in London. Also, the show is American now. I don't know if that was like the case in the old movie but in this movie the show is american made and that bothered me it's a wild west show which i don't think is crazy that that would be an american show well it would be italian i think in this era (laughs) wouldn't i don't i mean that was true for the movies i don't know if it's true for television like yeah find an old tv wild west show and tell you but i don't exactly know what to look up (laughs) yeah no it's i don't know it it was weird but yeah so so thunderbolt's like touring london and and patch wants to go meet him but the next day the family is moving to their new dalmatian plantation (laughs) he after having this kind of emotional turmoil tries to go talk to his dad in the middle of the night and his dad clearly asleep yeah like wake your dad up if you're gonna have this talk don't just he asks him if he's one of a hundred and one and I was like, yes, 101. Because in his dream, he has finally counted to 101. He's finally done it. He's achieved bliss. Nirvana is his. And Patch and Patch, uh, kind of is super down and mm-hmm. decides to sleep downstairs in the kitchen. Which, why the fuck do all these dogs sleep in one room anyway? I would, I would be aching well, to not to sleep in the same room as their siblings. So. Oh, maybe that's a- it. So there's a cutaway when I believe this is actually a little bit earlier. Perdita talks about how once they get out of the city, they won't have to worry about cut to Cruella DeVille saying her own name for no reason. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> While she's, so, pushing, she's trying to push her way into a, a fur shop owned this by is, Belle's dad. This is my favorite fucking scene because Belle's dad tells her that the terms of her probation prevent her from entering a fur coat shop which is the most specific terms of probation i have ever heard in my That's life insane like plus this probation breaks her despite the fact that she had been planning on making her own first they never mention what crime she's charged with that this is her punishment i guess it's assumed that the crime of kidnapping and trying to kill a hundred puppies but so that the, seems the, like you would get a different punishment than that. So so here's the here's the even well, crazier that, thing to me is rich. that yeah is that she's rich, but she she's still driving around what's left of her car. Yes, and this is this scene does this one thing that I had wished they had done better and in the last movie, which is she's she's like this this can't get any worse, and Corel Deville comes on the radio, 
and she kicks the radio and, out of her car, which oh, I do man. love. But I just felt like that could have done better. Also, yeah, she should have got a new car or fixed her car. She is still rich. She has like, not lost she, her money. It's established that she's still rich. It, yeah, in fact, like she's got, like from what I can tell, she's just got a slap on the wrist for for whatever she was charged with. While uh, we later found out that Horace and Jasper were just sent directly to prison. They were, but also she posted bail and they get out, which isn't how prison works. Maybe they're still awaiting trial. Yeah, maybe they're still awaiting trial, but that was weird. It was weird. So she is dejected and walking along, and she sees this painting. Uh, Well, okay, so we're technically not here yet. Oh, aren't we? No, we're not here yet. Okay, I don't have a ton of notes for this movie because I don't hate it. Oh, I have so fucking many. But but all of them are just like... Yeah, hints and quips. So, because before any of this actually happens, uh, Perdita says all this uh, when they're moving out, and they accidentally, Home Alone-esque, leave Patch behind. No, this is right now. This is something that has happened in my family. As a person with a lot of siblings, sometimes somebody gets left behind. As a person who's only one of three, I have been left at stores when I was the only person who went with my mom perfect like love my mom but yeah like we like me and her went to a target and we were i was there for maybe an hour i was and then i realized man we've been in this target for a long time and i call my mom like hey mom where are you and she's like oh i'm driving home and i said i'm still at target and she just goes i'm on my way and hangs up here's the thing <laughs> well, hey, well here's the thing with my family we would have two cars right uh-huh because you need two cars to get that many people to a place and so, in a time before everybody had cell phones, it would be assumed that somebody had the kid that wasn't in your car. And yeah. then you get there, and you think, oh, we left Mary behind. <laughs> and somebody has to leave the McDonald's to go get the lost kid. I mean, they're not lost. You know where they are. Right. She was asleep on the couch. Everything was fine. Really. So Patch decides, oh, well, since I'm alone in London, I'm going to go try out for this weird tour audition thing that this show I love is doing. Well, he actually gets on the... Yeah, he makes it to the stage. Yeah. So, it's not even like, oh, I need to find out where it is. He just literally gets on the throne and is like, fine, I'm fucking here. Great. Yeah. And then... No, and so here's the thing, right, is you just jumped immediately to Cruella de Vil, but I remember it took a while for us to get there. Because, like, we get, like, intercut... Cruella happens before Thunderball. No. Okay, well, my notes on Cruella are before Thunderbolt, so I'm saying no, maybe. So, because first the family moves into this farm. Okay, so and my then, notes for and, her are before the family moving into the farm. Huh. Mine aren't. Yeah. Oh, well. Weird. Well, okay. if, like, well, we can, let's talk about this in, in, in any order then. Because you know what? Honestly, okay. the two, sto- the two, these two stories then, don't meet up until quite late in the movie. Yeah, they're not going to intersect for a little while. I just have one more thing about Corella and maybe yeah, yeah, no, for more. sure. So she sees the, she sees this, the painting, right? This painting, which is just a a, a black dot on a white canvas, mm-hmm. and she loves it. She is so into it because she is obsessed with this. Because hey, she is obsessed with. Dalmatians. Yeah, it's not like Dalmatians caused the ruination of her life. Yeah. Oh, um, right. and, and she meets the artist 
and immediately goes they they start weird flirting with each other this this i think i feel like this is like such a fucking like trope that these sequel movies have where there's just awkward sensual tension between two characters but he's like a he's like a beatnik artist which i looked up and yeah this is the right time for that to be so this is like an experimentation like when you think about how the wild west happened at the same time as um sherlock holmes yeah what if a cowboy just showed up on sherlock holmes's doorstep and that's what that felt like to me yeah and like yeah and and like the fact that fucking sherlock holmes and who who else did i say could go to japan yeah, could could go to and Japan and buy Nintendo and buy Nintendo cards. Or, Nintendo cards. That's it. Yes. <laughs> and it would be completely in in history. Oh God, fucking history is crazy. So yeah. Yes. So uh, this, by the way, this artist, this artist, immediately, I was like, oh, this is Martin Short. You might remember him. He was the voice of Ben in Treasure Planet. Okay. And um, he's much yeah, less annoying in this movie. Much less annoying in this movie. I still hate him in this movie until the moment where I liked him. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, same. But he's def- <laughs> he's definitely a lot less annoying in this movie. Um, but I like the I like that when they were trying to create a character, they were like, "What if Cruella falls in, falls for a beatnik who is trying to like develop a new kind of modern art?" With just mm-hmm. spots. Yeah. Which is... And... It's crazy. and But it's one of those things that, yes, a, a sequel movie will try to do. She, hi- I, I, she hires him, commissions him. Basically, they move mm-hmm. into this, like, attic. And, and, and she just watches him paint. Which is... Yes. Such a weird relationship. No, they have a weird relationship. And... established. <laughs> And, and like, there's a moment where Cruella, like, in describing what she wants his paintings to make her feel, I wrote down, damn, Cruella, keep your weird puppy murder fetish a little less subtle, why don't you? Like, <laughs> you want to, you want to cut to the farm or? <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 I want, I want to keep going on the storyline because there's a moment where she sets one of his paintings on fire, yes. which is also a great metaphor for this film. <laughs> <laughs> it is but it made me think about like where this guy is at in this extremely toxic yeah, relationship, toxic relationship. Himself i in. know it's like two layers of metaphor the one that the artist intended and the one that they did not this movie would be the perfect like thing to use in a lesson uh that like embodies death of the author because it's bad well, but it's bad in such measurable ways, though, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Like it's and, and it's bad in ways that aren't offensive, which is so important to me right now. Oh God, yeah, no, for sure. It's got like one thing that it does kind of poorly, but it doesn't happen until the very end. It's really interesting to watch in that way. And that's it's the also... other thing. That's the other thing. This guy, the like modern art is so much about, like, avant-garde bullshit that whenever some weird thing happens in this, like, around this character, I can almost put it into avant-garde bullshit. I, I will say, though, that that there, there are a lot of points in this movie where it loses its sense of place a bit, where it feels a little too much like modern times. Yes, I agree. So, so this movie doesn't quite have the sense of place that the last one did, but 
I don't know, like the it's it's a very enjoyable movie. So we meet Thunderbolt and his quirk and his and his sidekick Lightning. Yes, and Thunderbolt is a shitty celebrity because he's, yeah, he's not very nice to his fans. He's uh oh, there was an actor that like I had in mind when I when I saw him and I was like, "Oh, oh, like this is fucking this guy, but I don't remember." Okay. In um, in my mind, I saw his character being played by Nathan Fillion. Yeah, yes, me... that's exactly it. Okay, because he reminded me of, of Captain Hammer. Yeah, that's what I, I was thinking. I was thinking of Nathan Fillion in uh, fucking what's that? What was that show called that he did with uh, Alan Tudyk? Oh, Con, Con Man. Man. Yeah, yes, Con Man. Same thing. Yes. And I actually looked up his voice actor, and he is not voiced by Nathan Fillion, but holy shit, does he sound like him? He does. He he's got a great voice. I I also looked up his voice actor. I can't remember him, and I didn't recognize him from other stuff. I. Yeah, I don't think he's been in much. But his sidekick, Lightning, has been. Um, yeah, it's, because um, Jason it's, Alexander, uh, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to remember his ca- George from Seinfeld. Yeah, he's George from Seinfeld. Oh, and Lightning is a corgi. Want to get in front of this one. Lightning's a corgi. <laughs> he's an American corgi. And Thunderbolt's what a... a, a, a fuck. Oh, he's definitely uh, a German Shepherd. A German Shepherd, right? thank you. Yeah. yeah, he's like a German Shepherd. Uh, which is weird because shepherds are beautiful dogs and they look like they're going to save you (laughs) but you wouldn't own a german shepherd in the wild west not really you would own like a cattle dog but nobody's watching the wild west show no i know it just it bothered me like as a person who owns uh an australian cattle dog like that's what you would want uh, what call you blue and healers. I have had a conversation about like how much of the Wild West stuff is bullshit. It's you such bullshit. I know, I know, I know. German Shepherd tossed in? No, I know, I know. In this movie where they have a fake Wild West TV show that it would actually be more accurate that it's inaccurate. Ah, nah, nah. Yeah. It bothered me. Okay, that's fine. And so... It's, it's just that it, it shouldn't. I mean, so, 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 so the setup fact, of these two... In fact, Thunderbolt, who's a dog... Talks about how the show is poorly written. So you know what? <laughs> That's a good point. You make all right. I, you're right. I'm wrong. the The setup, the premise of Thunderbolt and Lightning as characters are basically just that Thunderbolt is this kind of asshole actor, and and he kind of is famous just because he's handsome and looks good. And Lightning is his sidekick, and he's kind of made fun of and left out. And Lightning wants it Thunderbolt kinda... out of the picture kind of does feel like con man when you say it like that well we don't know immediately that lightning is evil we know he doesn't like thunderbolt i don't think it's clear immediately that he doesn't like thunderbolt or that he doesn't like how much thunderbolt gets the gets the attention well i actually thought they did this pretty well like if you're a kid watching this you might not realize okay that that lightning has it out for this guy but i'm a 22 year old man well, here's the thing. When I, when I first saw Lightning, I thought Thunderbolt was going to have a, vil, a semi-villainous role and Lightning was going to be heroic. Oh, I immediately had the opposite. Okay, see, thought. I thought it was going to be like Lightning wants to prove himself and like Thunderbolt's been being an ass to this kid or something. But what happens is Lightning tells Thunderbolt that he's, he's going to be replaced. It's literally almost the exact same plot as The Fox and the Hound 2. Oh man! Yeah, like, but like, this but is like a, a rehashed co- plot. <laughs> but like, the roles are switched around a bit. So yeah, yeah uh, Lightning tells Thunderbolt that he's going to be killed off of the show, mm-hmm. and that and that Thunderbolt needs to go and prove himself. 
Right. And that's when I figured, oh, he's evil because he's so nice about it. That Thunderbolt needs to prove himself to the producers that he needs to, so that they'll keep him on the show. And Thunderbolt, in trying to say, quote unquote, save a cat from a tree, but in reality, stop a cat from murdering baby birds, which in some might consider more heroic. Yes. Or at least um, just as heroic. Uh, definitely more heroic. So, All right. fucking leave those cats in the trees, man. Life, Andy. That's not fair. <laughs> So, uh, so this international movie star and his new British companion, uh, cause havoc in London. Before we get to the causing havoc, I do want to jump back because we should talk about the, cause this next scene is like a montage of actually, you know what? This is fine. The next scene's a montage of like unsuccessful paintings and bad heroic, uh, actions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's good. It's It's one of the better montages we've seen. In these no, movies, no yeah. big change. This is just time passing. Um, we should, we the so- a quick, quick stop in back at the uh, back at the ranch, as it were. Ha! <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, literally, we're going back to the ranch. It's actually a farm, but they. I, I mean, they have they cows. They do have cows. Do you ever notice how in Disney movies, or no, in movies, animals come with farms? You ever notice how nobody in a movie ever moves to a farm that doesn't already have pigs in it? Usually in a movie, they're inheriting a farm. Yeah, or something. And and it makes sense that an inherited farm, if the owner has just recently died, would have animals on it. Would have all the animals on it, yeah. But yeah, I don't think, like, I don't think, like, buying a farm is like buying a house where it can just, like, come with stuff that you need. I don't know. I've never I've never bought a farm. So I want to I want to mention something. Uh, the first thing I noticed about this farm is that Roger clearly bought it without Anita's input, which is <laughs> insane. It, Anita is clearly it, the person who makes the financial decisions in the relationship. Yeah, no, he I love the fact that uh, Anita and the nanny are like kind of horrified and Roger's just like, oh, we'll slap a coat of paint. It'll be good as new. Where should the well, music they, room be? They like that it has this big place to run around. The other thing is, not even should Anita be making financial decisions, you should talk to your wife about the house you're planning to buy. Maybe he showed her the photo of the farm from, like, a distance. (laughs) But when he did the walkthrough, he went by himself. Speaking of walkthrough, he pushes the piano in, and uh, (laughs) it falls through the ground, which is a great gag, but now there's a hole. It's a great gag. It's a great gag, because later, now that we're back at the ranch... It is shown yes. that instead of fixing the hole, they just put a ladder there. And that is now the new entrance to the basement. Maybe there wasn't an entrance to the basement before. Oh my god. Well, maybe it was one of those, like, outdoor cellars, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This makes sense. Ah, oh, fuck. In what seems like a comedy of errors multiplied by 50, Roger doesn't look at the front page of the newspaper, which has one of their puppies on it. Right, which has Patch and Thunderbolt, because again, slow news day, the biggest story is that in London, the city of London, a famous dog showed up. It's like, either we either read about this new thing that happened, or we just read about the 50th murder that happened. Right, or about the... <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe the, it's a case of like... artists making waves. Yes. Well, he's, he's obviously not making waves, he complains about that. Yeah, not yet. About how, no, but they, uh, I fucking hate him so much. Okay, be cool. So Pongo and Perdita and uh, Roger and Anita realize everyone realizes that we've we oh shit we've been missing a dog this whole time. Mm-hmm. Pongo 
like patch seems to go to pongo all the time for advice um for this weird existential crisis that he's having but it's been it hasn't even been a full day and all the puppies are running around the farm i'm not saying I'm not saying that we should forgive Pongo for this. I don't think it's entirely unreasonable. Though. I think he, I think even if you have 99 kids, like Patch is obviously like the one that comes and talks to Dad all the time. Here's the thing: maybe everybody does that. Maybe because because in this movie, Patch is the only one with a personality. But all of them must have a personality, right? So maybe. Everybody comes to talk to Dad about their problems. And he's like, I guess this is a slow patch day. I've met 100 people in my life, and I can tell you that I don't think 99 of them have personalities. You know what? I'm going to get down to the nitty-gritty about how all these puppies are exactly the same. It's the stupidest thing in the world during the truck scene. That's when I want to do it. Okay, we'll talk about this then. then. But they they see... They see the picture of um, uh, of Patch, and they need to go back to London to go get him. For some reason, everybody needs to go. Or, you know, everybody except Nanny and the puppies. This, Yeah, this could have just been a Roger and Pongo deal. Yes. And the movie sets it up to be that. And then it's not. And I was really confused. The other, But at the same time, maybe not the exact same time, but at the same time, Cruella sees in the newspaper... An extremely well-printed well, picture. Yeah, no, I. this is, I think, the least believable thing. <laughs> like, it's one thing she... to look at a Dalmatian puppy on a newspaper and go, that might be our dog, we should go check. She reads... The address. The collar, yes, the collar on... Pat, the, the address on Patch's collar, which tells her exactly where Anita has moved to so she can go kidnap those puppies again. I love that she was planning on just going to Anita's house and... And I don't what know. What was she going to do? What was she going to do? <laughs> so, um, <sighs> while this is happening, Patch, we discover as a, um audience through a conversation between Thunderbolt and Patch that Patch does not know that TV is fake. Yes. Which is a bad character choice. That You did not need to make him the aliens from Galaxy Quest. No, I know. But at the same time, I think... If this if this movie does take place immediately after the first one, which I think it does, Patch at this point is maybe a couple months old. I hate I hate this. It took it took me I, I, I was okay with it, but that's only because like when I felt like I was about Patch's age, five or six, mm. I definitely did not connect that T V was fictional. I don't know. Kids will buy into a lot of stuff, but this is such, like, a binary thing, like, real or fake, that he, like, he knows enough to know that it is either real or fake. Like, okay, because a kid knows that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, when it's a guy in a suit, isn't actually Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But also, they have the ability to turn that off and go hug that guy. But I, well, I don't know about that. I think it depends. Because like a kid will go and meet Santa. Because a kid will go and meet Santa and think that that's actually Santa, right? Like that's absolutely. But I think there's a difference between Santa and Mickey Mouse. Yeah, but when Mickey Mouse is played by an actual mouse that you can go meet, I don't know. I'm just saying, like if I if when I was five I met Airbud, like I probably think that it's the same dog. And that and that Air this dog can play basketball. Could make those baskets. Though. And that this Airbud could also play football. And that this Airbud could also skateboard. Is there and a skateboard this... one? 
There is, but it's not Airbud. It's a uh, it's a monkey, and it's that's my the, bad. The buddies. No, it's it's uh, it's a different movie. It's the same series, but it's okay. a different movie. I didn't like that Patch doesn't know TV's fake. I thought it was an unnecessary I, thing to throw in there because then there has to be like a confession that he's actually yeah, an no. actor. So so if I have a problem with that choice, it's that, and I wrote this down, this movie has way too many subplots already. Mm. So if they were going to do that, they would have to remove one of the other many subplots. This movie's so crowded. I just I don't think it added anything to the movie for him to not believe the TV was real. So Cruella goes and bails Horace and Jasper out of prison to go steal the Dalmatians back. It's not clear to me why Jasper and Horace go with her. Because they don't yeah. seem to want to. Maybe they're just afraid of her, of of how they can ruin she can ruin their lives in prison. Maybe, who knows, right? But um but they do. So they they have they steal it they steal a canine crunchies truck and they use it to to kidnap the puppies by like ringing the the truck's like song. Yeah, and that was weird too. For one thing, these puppies should be more more aware of possible yeah, traps. I, I think I think right like I uh, there's like a scene later where if it, it just it really feels like these puppies don't really remember Cruella Deville at all. So they get kidnapped. The nanny goes and tries to stop them, uh, but she ends up getting dropped down a well. Okay, here's the thing. One, she does a pretty good job. She, uh, I'm gonna she, compare her to Tiffany Aching now, even though I already made that comparison because she has a freaking frying pan. Tiffany Aching or Rapunzel, I guess. And just beats the ever-loving crap out of these guys. She hits the wig she, off of uh, off of uh, Horace. I forgot he was still dressed as a woman, which for no reason. Like I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to happen. It, it's a really bad joke, and like whatever. It's not worth talking about. Yeah. And so this this is when I noticed that there are animals on this farm already. When they when she hits them into the pig, um, what do you call a pen? A pigsty. A pig pen. Yeah, and, and they end up all on top of each other and then they tie her up and drop her into the well which is that's even more fucked up than the last movie so so yes but here's the thing she escapes that well i guess she does i'm what what kind of fucking like uh mission impossible shit does this woman have to do to get out of this well okay because we know she escapes from it foot okay um i'm guessing i used to do this when I was little, to climb up my closet. I'm guessing something like in The Emperor's New Groove. You push your back against the wall and your feet against the other wall. And then you, she like, pull on the rope. Feet, but, but, and the other thing, yeah, but the other thing is, is, like, she is an old lady. Well, not an old lady, but she's an elder woman. But she's like, older, yeah. And, like, I'm 22, and it's harder for me to climb shit than when I was 10. I don't know. She just believed in herself, Andy. Yeah, she, she had the... The power of believing in herself, I guess. She hit the water, and then she thought, "I'm not going to let these dipshits kill me." Because now that now that we have her as now that we have her escaping, I think in my mind there's also water because we need to up the up the ante, up the stakes. Yeah, like the water levels rising. This is, but but that's. What, I know, I know, what, I know. What, what most probably happened is Nanny dies slowly and torturously, <laughs> and it's a really good thing that she shows up later in the movie. You know, it, and that's uh, it, that's actually the second Nanny that's in the books, but wasn't in the movies. 
No, not funny. <laughs> um, the first nanny died, and this one uh -huh. just like popped in to take her place. Isn't funny. <laughs> it no, it's like a respawn in a video game when you knock okay. an NPC off a cliff. But she retained all of the memories and experiences of the old nanny. So so now Cruella... she knows what death feels okay. like, and that yep. and that imbibes her with even more strength to go find these two criminals. Sorry. That's what happened to Sailor Moon. I think it just wrote a better... Ah, oh, fuck, damn, I was gonna say. I think it just wrote a better movie. But I guess Sailor Moon already did it. So Corella brings these puppies to her... Art Lars is his name. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's right. Lars, the beatnik artist. And um, he's like, oh, you want me to paint the puppies? And she starts laughing. So does Horace and Jasper. And fuck those guys i don't i don't understand what their stake is in this anymore i think i think they also just want to kill these dogs now maybe as like revenge who yeah. knows anyway uh she says no i want you to paint on the puppies we're or, gonna skin them or make, make a sculpture yeah like the point is these and, puppies are gonna die and lars who again yeah i also have not particularly cared for in this movie suddenly turns around and says, you are not hurting these puppies. Not while I have anything to say about it. And uh, they tie him up and gag him. And throw knives at oh, him? Lars. Yeah, uh, hell hath no fury, so... Yeah, this is the culmination of their weird relationship, I guess, is this is uh, this betrayal. <laughs> Lars bit off way more than he could chew with Cruella de Which he, he didn't know, to be fair, right? He just thought, like, maybe this is another weird eccentric artist person. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I don't... I have met people who I have looked at them and thought, that person looks like Cruella de Vil. <laughs> and even then, my thought wasn't, I bet they also kill puppies like Cruella de Vil. Then this weird thing happens. The Twilight Bark starts, and it's not clear who starts it. I think the puppies do. Okay, but the puppies don't talk about the Twilight Bark or doing the Twilight Bark. No, they so don't. So either they start it by accident, or they decided... Oh, we shouldn't give any other puppy a personality, and they'll just do it. And it made me really mad and annoyed because then the Twilight Bark starts, and the Twilight Bark is lamer. Yeah, it, it again, like it loses. We talked about this a bit a couple yeah. a week ago, but like it, like it loses the magic because apparently this is just something that can be done on a whim. Right, and I'm fine with Twilight Bark showing up again. But... It could have been framed better. And so, uh, Thunderbolt and Patch are the Twilight Bark. And, and at this point, Thunderbolt is like, like, he's gone through this arc, he's like, he, like, like, this kid has successfully, like, edged his way into his life, and he really mm -hmm. likes this kid, and he wants to tell this kid, hey, listen, like, I'm, I'm just an actor, I just act, and... Right. I might not be doing this for the wholesome reasons you think I am, but before he can do that, that they hear the Twilight Bark... They realize, oh, these these uh, ninety eight puppies that have been stolen are your siblings, mm -hmm. and Patch melts his heart and convinces him that they should go save them, which is super unfair to this guy. Like, well, yeah, but it makes it makes a later scene not work as much mm -hmm. because he was already like going to tell Patch this anyway. Well, and I have to mention this again that this whole plot. This whole plot point hinges on the fact that Patch can't tell that a very formulaic show is scripted. Like, he knows every part of this show. 
Again, he's a walking Wikipedia article. Yeah, so he should really understand that, like, obviously Thunderbolt does not save this dumbass kid once a week every week of their lives. Oh, 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 and, and then also, this so this entire time, uh, Lightning has managed to convince the producers to make him the star of the next episode. Right, because Thunderbolt has disappeared. Yeah, he's missing. But because Thunderbolt has responded to the Twilight Bark, a couple of the, the fangirl dogs... But Lightning hears this, and he thinks, what if he accidentally does, does save, save those these. dogs? Then he will be the star, and everyone will love him. And so and I'll he, never get my shot. Yeah. And I am not so throwing away my shot. That. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so and so this is this is i think the one plot hole that the movie has lightning finds thunderbolt and patch like instantly i'm sorry you're right this movie does not like have a ton of plot holes but that sentence was crazy to me right whenever we talk about a movie it has a million million plot no this movie is like pretty solid its problems are primarily like script the what the collar thing in the newspaper come on okay yes sure but that again like most of this movie's problems are like script errors yeah pretty much everything it, it Every sequence of events that happens in this movie is believable and logical, mm-hmm. with the exception that Lightning, upon hearing that Thunderbolt is going to save these puppies, knows where he is and how to find him and is there immediately. But he is, so we're all going to have to deal with it. And here's this, this, I guess there's a kid's movie, this betrayal where he has to pretend like he's Thunderbolt's buddy would fly a lot better if we didn't already know his evil plan trying to replace him because if it was if we hadn't seen lightning at all until this bit again that could have been really powerful he's like no he just has to barge in there he doesn't need to sneak this movie has lightning say his entire plan out loud three times and the third time is in front of thunderbolt after the betrayal and the entire time i was thinking why would you say any of this dude you could just leave, Here's the and thing. Thunderbolt would have been none the wiser. Lightning doing that is crazy for a few reasons, and one of them is that he's in the room with three people who kill dogs. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, he should have left. The moment... The moment Thunderbolt got got, he should have left. He could have just been like, yo, like he could have even showed up and done the betrayal, but it have it been like, yo, dude, these people kill dogs. I'm gone. We're not that good... We're not as good of friends as you think we are. Mm-hmm. And a power, the, the, the funny thing about his betrayal, though, is that what he tells Patch is all true. Oh, yeah, no, Thunderbolt for sure. Is, or, or, Th- Lightning is not all that evil because he's like, you always steal the spotlight. You overact and you're bad at your job. And then he turns to Patch and he says, this guy is fake. And then he leaves. And the evil thing he does is leave these puppies. But what he does to Thunderbolt is actually pretty reasonable. So so that's the thing is, is I think, if anything, the most, yeah, the most evil thing he does is leaving these puppies. But, al- but also, the heartbreaking moment of this scene is the fact that Thunderbolt has to look at this kid and say, no, yeah, everything he said is true. Yeah, but I hate it. But that, that kind of doesn't work because of the whole 
But also this kid believed in television thing. Yeah. So the these cages that these puppies are all locked in are not regulation. They have like six or seven cages for almost a hundred dogs. But also they had an extra cage. They did have that extra cage just so they could put the one big dog in it. And a puppy. And a puppy. But yeah. Also, it's really hard to, like, be mopey and have a character development when the other person trying to be mopey and have character development is three inches from you. So we get this whole scene where the, where everybody's sad because they've failed. But and it's, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's the part that you need to have in, like, the last quarter of the movie before yep. everything turns around. And Lucky says, hey, didn't something like this happen in such and such episode? And and Patch is like, uh, no. Well, actually, it was, it was episode this 18. Episode? I remember that line exactly. He's like, didn't this exact same thing happen in episode 13? Uh, it was episode 18. You bitch. You, you dick. Uh, you dumb motherfucker. I get that we're trapped in these cages and we're probably gonna die, but fucking get your facts right. Let me tell you about Blue Eyes White Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> but then Patch gets an idea because this entire time Patch has been like walking uh, Thunderbolt through these episodes and how to do these actions. And he realizes, yeah, you know what? I could do all this shit myself. I feel like if that bit was spelled out more, it would be better because he just does it instead of like saying, if he can do this, I can do this. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> because then the fact that he found out that that this guy was just an actor would have hit harder because if he just pretends to do it but he's really doing it then i could do that yeah but, so he he busts out of the cage this and so this is to me the darkest part of the film he breaks everybody out and thunderbolt looks at him and is like no i've disappointed you i'm gonna die here here's the thing <laughs> which is way too harsh of a I punishment don't think so, because um thunderbolt just sits there like i'm i can't go with these kids but they don't care. These, these fools don't care about Thunderbolt. Shit. They're just gonna leave him. And he's gonna leave. And that's exactly what happens. And they just... But, like, if he stays, he's gonna die. These people kill dogs. These people kill Dalmatians. <laughs> okay. I don't think... I don't think... At the, I think at this point, Cruella DeVille just, just, like, is, like, ready to murder a dog. She's obsessed with spots. She wants to kill Dalmatians. I know, but, like, if, like, push come to shove, right, she has this extra dog, what's she gonna do? Not kill it? Apparently, yes. Thunderbolt was never in any actual danger. We know from the books that she thinks drowning animals is a good thing. Patch gets everybody out by bouncing them on a paint, a canvas. A canvas. Onto the, through the skylight onto the roof. Yeah. Gets them downstairs and into a truck. Horace, Jasper, and Cruella see that he's doing this, like, last minute and go to follow. And there's no law that says a dog can't race a bus. <laughs> Sorry. We were talking about Airbud earlier. So, like the last movie, oh, well, this well, movie... Well, well, I want to say, sorry. Thun Thun Thunderbolt looks up and he's like, yeah, he got away. And so then he starts to leave the cage because there's no reason for him to be here. And he just looks over at this artist and they both cock an eyebrow at each other. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I did kind of enjoy. So, I, and I, I was actually asking myself when I, when I got to that scene, like, what is, so is the artist just, do they just leave him tied up here? And then that scene happened. I was like, Oh, I guess so. Yep. So this next chase scene, again, I love the fact that both this movie and the last movie inexplicably in the third act a become a fast scene. and the furious movie. Yes. This this movie more so, but also this movie's chase scene music was really bad. 
I don't even remember it. I was more focused on... It was on the theme music. Th- okay. That, yeah. I was more focused on this troubling character development, which is this. Somebody hits the brakes on this, um, on this truck, causing it to drive off. Yeah. Oh, bus. It, it was a bus. It was bus. a double-decker. It's a bus. It's a double-decker bus. On the bus, causing it to drive off. Patch starts to steer. Then when Corolla shows up, he goes to save Roly Poly. Yes. Which is a bad name for a puppy. It is. falls out the window. And then he goes back to the front of the truck where everybody's arguing and, and takes command again. But there's not, it's not even him taking command. It's him doing everything. And everybody mm-hmm. else just stares at him like, oh, he's doing so great. Okay, so this movie is about how you can be, how, how a person can, like, stand out. Okay. But yeah. what it should be about is how it's okay to be one of 99 if the other 99 are also cool. Like, if this scene was about the puppies working together to drive a bus, it would have been a better scene, but it's not. Yeah, I think this movie's theme is poorly, is A, a bad theme, and B, poorly set across for all of the reasons you just stated. Because it's like, oh, now everybody thinks Patch is the best puppy, which means that all these other 98 puppies consider themselves to be lower than him. Which yeah. isn't a good ending to the it's movie. Def- it's definitely not. But to be fair, this movie's ending is just bad anyway, even if they had done this correctly for reasons that we'll get to. I, I think it. this movie, I think this is might be one of the, like, just in terms of sheer competence, a very, the most directed cartoon that we've watched of all of these sequels that we've seen because okay. inexplicably in the middle of like this climactic moment in this chase scene it cuts to uh lightning recording the finale to his to his first ever solo episode oh yeah and i was like yeah, why the fuck good. would this movie cut at this point and then you just see in the distance a bus appear yes. and i that's... was like this is the best that's that's actually yes that's really well done so now the now the big fight scene at the end where they're trying to where Cruella and Horace and Jasper are trying to ki- capture these puppies again and they also face has off lightning in it. Yes. And then, and then Lars just drives up, drops <laughs> off thunder and drives away. And he gives him a thumbs up. Which was crazy to me because he left like the dog told him, hey, this is where I need to be. Well, you know what? He he could pronounce the... He, there were no S's in the street name, so right. yep. he was able That's to perfectly this. talk to these people. <laughs> I love the thumbs up. The thumbs up was such a nice touch. Like, fuck these people. I'm out. Uh, thanks for the lift, Martin Short. So this amazing plan happens mm-hmm. where Thunderbolt pretends to die. <laughs> Yes, Cruella <laughs> Deville is defeated by the power of overacting. Of overacting. Because he milks this like crazy. And the best part is that Lightning totally Lightning fucking buys it. buys it. Yes! It's crazy. He's like, good night, sweet prince. And he's like what? crying. <laughs> and at this moment, I was like, I don't know how bad a guy Lightning is. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, he's obviously like attached to this to this up his co-actor yeah and i guess i guess at the end of the day right his his plan wasn't to have thunderbolt die but then that also doesn't make sense because he left thunderbolt in a place where people kill dogs and then um (sighs) they they, all get away 
no, but then they, Patch... They, they send the truck... Yeah, Patch like and... Frisky's truck going backwards, right? Yeah, yeah, the bus and the truck. Okay. They, like, have them both going in reverse, chasing Cruella DeVille, Horace Jasper, and the Lightning, who... My guy, you fit Are under you... the bus. You fit under the bus. You're a quirky. But, you fit but, under the bus. But... He starts running, and Jasper picks him up. <laughs> which is crazy. What? what? Why did that happen? Oh, my God. Wait, is Jasper the short, chubby one? Yeah. Okay, maybe yeah. that that kind of makes sense. Cause Jasper it makes is more like, sense than if Horace picked him up. Yeah, but, but it's still insane. No, no, wait. Horace is the bigger one. I can't The bigger one picks him up. Yeah, the, the, ch- the, the, the shorter one picks him up. Yeah. Which... But, it's crazy. This entire end sequence is insane. From this point on, the movie loses all sense of anything. It's bad. <laughs> they end up in the water. Uh, yeah, they end up in the Thames. Uh, it's called the Thames because it has Thames times the amount of poop. Good joke. I wrote this joke when I watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm proud of you. <laughs> Uh, God, this ending is terrible. So they land in the Thames. Police show up. Uh, Anita and Roger, for no reason, show up. Yeah, were they driving all night? And But also the nanny shows up with the police. Yeah, she does. Because she got out, untied she... herself, and called the police. Oh, oh. I, I'm, I'm, under, I think she, I'm going to stick with my, with my cannon, and she just respawned in a police station. No. And she just, like, slams her hands on the desk and is like, we're going to go save these puppies. And they're like, lady, you're crazy. You just appeared out of nowhere. New cannon. I know what death feels like. New cannon. She's an undercover cop. Oh, shit. She's been kidnapped before countless times. She knows how to get out of this. No, she's MI6. Yeah, absolutely. After this, she goes and she's M. What? Okay, so this raises the real question. Uh, what does what does Anita do? Because she makes a lot of money and somebody is spying on her. Oh, damn. She does have a Spanish name, so maybe she's a communist spy. That would make sense in the 60s. For England, though? Yeah. I don't know how big the Red Scare was in England. It wasn't that it was big. It was just that in the 60s there were communist spies everywhere. Interesting. Hmm. Anyway. All I have really written down about the last scene is that you don't arrest dogs. Yeah, I don't. They they had cop dogs arrest lightning. Which also, what was his crime? Unclear. And they like, they throw Cruella DeVille into a, a, like a mental institution truck. And this is honestly the one problem I have with this movie. Well, she's going to go and be tortured. It's it's like the 50s. Yeah, I think that's my problem with it is like, this is an era where this woman definitely has mental problems she like wants to skin dogs to make coats no she does but also i don't think the movie takes the time to explain to kids that this is the case and it it really just gives the impression that spots yeah spots it 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 really just gives the impression that crazy women that you perceive as evil should just be sent to mental asylums which is bad well they've got the hysteria andy (sighs) I have the consumption. Which one's that again? That's the. I believe that's um. Tuberculosis. That's, that's TB. Yeah. Yeah. We actually talked about this in an earlier podcast. I think. <laughs> it up. It's TB. I, do I? Do I just? I think I just have an obsession with the sentence. I have the consumption. It sounds Apparently so good. You do. It's it's a really good sentence. I don't know. I think it's my ASMR trigger. 
I don't remember what happens to Horace and Jasper, but I bet they just go to jail again. Oh, the, I think all that happens to them is the, the nanny shows up and she's just like, they stole the puppies again. So yep. I have one thing to say about this movie. Well, now that we're at the ending, the only voice actor in this movie that doesn't sound like the original voice is Roger. Yeah, they do pretty well. Like everyone else like is near spot on. Although I could, here's the thing. I kind of thought that um, Patch sounded a little bit Oliver Twisty to me. Oh, no, definitely, right? He was Maybe definitely, like... Maybe laid on a little bit thick. Yeah, he was definitely, like, Britishing up his accent. But, yeah, just every every voice actor in this movie who was supposed to be a character from the last movie was spot on except for Roger, who went from being, like, a baritone to a tenor. I don't know yeah, if that's, I I don't know if that's I, accurate I, musically, but the point is, is he has a much higher-pitched voice. Yeah, we're the wrong people to ask about music. music. But, yeah, there's a moment where he's singing... Um, Dalmatian Spots. Plantation. Dalmatian, which is it's a like, cool idea. Having right? The song, having the new song go into the old song. and But I didn't like his voice. Yeah, it's just... It's just when he was doing it. Yeah, this guy just doesn't sound like Roger and doesn't have the same, like, singing voice as him. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty important because he's the only musical character in both movies. And so here's the other problem I have is that as the credits are... Did you stick around for the end credit sequence? I Where, saw a few of the newspapers, So yeah. they have these, like, incredibly specific newspapers, and this, to me, explains why the why they're kept being newspapers about, like, Dalmatians with on the cover. Is I think there's just a Dalmatian crime newspaper on top of the music <laughs> newspaper, the mental institution newspaper, the fashion I newspaper. Th- th- that newspaper must go out to people in the mental mental institution. Like this is printed. This is like a. This is like the mental institution has a has a. What do you call it when a school does it? Just a mental a paper. Institution yeah, paper, a mental I guess. paper. Yeah. Oh god. You know, buy mental patients for mental patients. Oh, Jesus. Hey, Corell, you want to be on the cover? Sure. Sure, she does. I, I see spots, she says. Oh, God, are we good? I think... I think we're good. I think we're good. All right, so... We normally... We, I think we've, we both enjoyed these movies, both of these movies. The but first one is very good. It's and a the classic. the one is not good, but it's stupid. And if you just want to watch some stupid dog, stupid dog movie, it's not bad. Yeah, if it's better than any fucking Airbud movie, I'll tell you that much. I remember. Sorry, like, Air Buddies, Air, Air Buddies, Air Buddies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Probably, yeah. I've, I've never seen Air Buddies. Movie. They're real. They're really bad, dude. They're fucking real bad. Uh, oh, yeah. Geez. I I just uh I really like the first one, and I don't hate the second, which is. About the best you're going to be able to get out of me from most. Of the yeah, time. no, I, I think, I think just the fact that we could walk away from both of these movies, uh, with and a not pleasant be, like, demeanor, super sad or angry, or like with the last few. Yeah, I think, I think or the second movie baffled or just completely or just completely like up the unable well, to how process. Could we make that yes. Which um, I think makes for our best podcast episodes, but really drives me insane. Yeah, no, it just feels bad <laughs> recording it. I think going back and listening to it, it's definitely really funny. I I think, so I think the first, I think 101 Dalmatians is definitely like a Disney classic, definitely like in my top five Disney movies now that I've rewatched mm-hmm. it. It's just, it's charming, it's fun, it's beautifully animated. Um, it's got one of the best Disney songs ever written in it. Especially, Eat your heart out, especially early Disney. 
because a lot of early Disney songs kind of sound the same. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think a big part of that is Roger. I think just Roger as a character is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He has so little to say, but... Yeah, yeah, but but every time he's in a scene, you kind of get a, a an important snapshot of who he is. Yeah. Oh, man, I wonder if he was based off of anyone in particular. Like, I'm very curious now. But yeah, he's a really well-done character. The characters in that movie are great. Corella DeVille is, oh, a, is an amazing and, villain. And a villainous icon. Like, I think it's it really shows how well her character was handled that... To this day, she is one of, like, the most evil Disney villains, despite the fact that her only goal was killing dogs, which is the least villainous thing compared to a lot of other Disney villains. Here's the thing. That's more, like, viscerally evil than a lot of other Disney Yeah, villains, no, for it's sure. it's not a lofty goal. It's so easy to kill a dog. I don't... Oof. I might cut that one out because it made me sad to say it out loud. <laughs> I think I think if I like looking back on my life, I think the movie that got me interested in animation was 101 Dalmatians. It's such a like it's got so many memorable things that I looked at when I was a kid and I thought that is technically impressive. I think it's sort of the pinnacle of I, I mean, I said this at the top. It's the movie that you watch if you want to watch a movie for the animation. There's other cool stuff in the movie. Yeah, like it has a pretty cool world and pretty cool characters. But I feel like the animations would draw draws you in. Yeah, no, and and it's and every character, even the minor ones, are just fantastically animated. Like to oh, like man. everyone has a everyone has a tick. Everyone has a stance. Like mm-hmm. like the so I have a book here by Richard Williams. It's called The Animator Survival Kit, and I recommend anybody who wants to just even think about animation critically read this book. But Milt Call. Who who helped who helped animate this movie is referenced a lot in this book because Richard Williams was Milt Call's protege for many decades, and mm-hmm. Milt Call, especially of the of the old men, really really hammered home this idea that every person that you meet walks a certain way, and you really see that in this movie. Like, yeah. like Rogers, think about like that. Rogers yeah. movements in this, like how he walks and how he like throws his legs out and kind of has this awkward gait. Um, Anita's very prim, but determined step. Cruella DeVille's like almost torso leaning, uh, gesturing, like everybody in this film. And at the top of this movie, we see like five throwaway characters yeah. that all walk in a specific way. And this sort of it, it, it helps paint what immediately you think of them it's that's really good it's fantastic it's beautiful like this movie this movie is worth studying from an animation perspective any and pretty much anything milt called touched but this movie i think really showcases his look it's a fun movie it's it, its story is not that engaging but all the characters are so it'll keep you engaged and, and the story has a great climax that car chase scene and the sneaking into the truck oh, is fantastic. We didn't talk about the car. The animation oh, for the car. Yeah, and how how like she drives into a ditch and then drives out and it's just the engine. Right, but um yeah. Oh, um, fuck. Did you see I saw this floating around a few times. The um there's like a breakdown of how they animated that car. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? I don't think I've seen this. Oh that's I when I saw it, I thought, oh, Andy must already know about this. 
Uh, it's a 3D model. The car is a 3D model. And they would move it. They, they would draw the scene and put the 3D model on the scene and take pictures of that and then draw over that. And the reason they did this was so they didn't have to animate a fucking car. <laughs> oh, man. I'm looking at this. Because it's a really... It's a really crazy detailed car, and every it's, scene, basically every scene that it's in, it's the biggest thing. Well, it, and it's it's a Deville. That's what the car is called. Oh, clever. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but that's such a it's such a cool like that is sort of a BS shortcut that actually makes the whole thing look a lot better. Man, tr- drawing cars sucks a lot and and there and there is oh god that makes so much more sense because they're like the climactic scene when they're sneaking the pups onto the uh onto the uh truck like mm-hmm. cruella Deville, like a video game villain is patrolling this tiny town in her yes. car and there are multiple shots of like the front and the side of her car holy mm-hmm. shit yeah that's how they managed to do that without going insane oh man that's that is traces over the the picture they took of the car it's really cool let me see Uh, i'll have to see if i can find that and send it to you i'm like reading a thing about it they built an actual wow no they built a physical cardboard model holy shit this is this is super cool somebody must i mean i wonder if there's more than one but somebody must have that somewhere that has to be in a place now Oh my god. I'd be no. really depressed if they broke down that no. car when they were done. It's it's in storage and it's oh man, I would I would murder an undeterminate number of people to get my hands on that thing. I would murder ninety-nine Dalmatians. No, I wouldn't. I would not do that. People, yes, but Dalmatians. No. Storm the house. We got them. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Direct Video. Oh man. VHS. I have been your co-host, Tony Robusto. And I have been your co-host, Andy Reyes. And uh, if you want to if you wanna find us on social media, I am at TheaterBats on Twitter. And I am at Royalty underscore Valens. If you want to uh, check out our stuff, you can go to direct2.video. You can find all of our episodes as well as some tidbits on YouTube. Uh, you can also yeah, just find us wherever you get your podcast. And if you get your podcast somewhere like, oh, I don't know, like iTunes... Or we're on, like, Stitcher and Google Play, and I don't know how those do with, like, rating systems. They have them, I think. But give us a rating so you can tell us. So, one, so we go up in the in the, in the the charts. And two, so that we know what you think. Uh-huh. And then give us, give, us, give us a review and talk about how we talked, uh, how, how cool it was that I cut out all the times that I interrupted the podcast to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> oh, man. Uh... A special shout out to Lee Rosevere who provided us with our song. God damn it, Tony. Sorry. <laughs> a special thanks to a special shout out to Lee Rosevere who gave us our theme song Penguins on Parade uh, off of Music for Podcast Two. You can check out his stuff on Bandcamp. It's not Bandcamp. I don't think it's on Bandcamp. We're, but we're, it's in the description. It's around. In, yeah, in our description, and he's a free music archive or free music library or something like that. Yeah, and uh, you can go get his stuff, and he. He just does a lot of just like a lot of background music for podcasts. If that's what you're into, if you're into having background music that won't get you sued, yeah, like I am. <laughs> and uh, Tony also does a web comic at InspiredByTrueEvents.org. It's very yeah, good. I'm it's very funny. Wrapping up the current storyline, which is good because it's been a little while, and there has been a lot of weird tadpole stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
a lot of interest, a lot of deep dives into biology. And uh, you really have a fascination with tadpoles, like I think from a biological perspective, because I remember another arc going into that. Do you, uh, I'll tell you where I got the idea for a tadpole character is I found a very very old how to draw, <laughs> uh, how to draw animals thing, and the first page was a tadpole, and it was literally a circle and then a squiggly line. Yeah, no, like, it's I could draw a circle and a squiggly line. <laughs> You're, yeah, you were like, this is within my my artistic wheelhouse. I got this. Yep. Done did oh, it. Oh, man. Tony, are you excited for what we're going to watch next week? I don't know. Should I be? Uh, I think you should be because um, we are going to be watching A Sword in the Stone. Uh-oh. And Quest for Camelot. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. I remember those as two movies that are okay <laughs> yeah no i i remember both of these movies being insanity i remember both of these movies being not as exciting as they should be oh man i'll, I'll also have to make a note remind me if we forget next time because i'll have to make a note to talk about the alternate universe version of camelot that i read about where arthur marries a squirrel no i'm not having this what but it's like but like the point is that mordred is never born because he never has sex with a sister because he yeah. married a squirrel yeah no i <laughs> how does that stop the other what well because this is all this is all supposed to like line up with the actual arthurian story it, well i can talk about it later <laughs> it's it's one of the cuter au's that i've ever seen oh really is it is the well, whatever no i'm uh, I'm gonna stop recording. The, the stuff that Disney does with the squirrels already weird. No, I'm gonna stop recording. Okay. This is a canon squirrel. Yes, a canon squirrel. It's from the. That's that's where it came from. Because there's this whole thing where Merlin tries to get Arthur to have sex with a squirrel. <laughs> There's one dragon in Yu-Gi-Oh! with cannons, but it's actually a robot. They just call it a dragon. But so is Blue-Eyes White Dragon. It's actually a robot. No, Blue-Eyes White Dragon is a young woman from Egypt. I'm sorry, what the fuck? You didn't watch the, the last series, and I told you, I warned everybody that this is the hill I'll die on.